1: He's winning. Swing. Monday, July 17th, and welcome back to the call up, your go to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Arm Layton, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about the promotion of Christian and Strand. He's ready to make his big league debut with the Reds. Andy Rodriguez gets the call up as well. He is going to make his debut and probably take over the catching role in Pittsburgh. Really excited about that because guess what? The second part of this episode is going to be a conversation with him from the Futures game or just before the Futures game, as well as a conversation with Joey Cantillo, left handed pitching prospect in the Cleveland Guardian system, who may not be far behind from a big league promotion as well. Cantillo has been throwing the ball really well, and there's been some rumblings that he could be considered in the near future for the Guardians rotation, which continues to thin out due to injuries, which is really frustrating. Shane Bieber hitting the 15 day IL, but the conversation with Joey Cantillo was awesome as well. An incredibly cerebral pitcher uh, that could take us from through everything from the the Vulcan grip on his splitter on that changeup that's just absolutely disgusting to you know his mentality on the mound. Andy Rodriguez as well, just really thoughtful player. But I was it was really cool to talk to him about. You know how he wants to almost tone down those thoughts on the field, and you know, kind of trust what he's able to do. I'll talk a little bit more about those two as we lead into the interview with them. But real quick, I want to talk about Christian Encarnacion Strand and and what his promotion could mean for the Cincinnati Reds. So this is an interesting spot because Encarnacion Strand, from an offensive perspective, is just about you know been ready for a little bit here. I think what you see is what you're going to get, and and I'll break that down in a second as well. But on, on the surface. This guy in A this year in 67 games is hitting 331 405 637. That's good for a 153 wrc plus, 20 home runs, a more than palatable 22% strikeout rate which I'm going to elaborate on a little bit because it's impressive given how high his chase rates are and a 10% walk rate which is also impressive given the elevated chase rates. But on Strand since he was acquired from Minnesota in that Tyler Malley deal of course came over with Spencer Steer as well and you know even even if Malley was throwing well and wasn't on the shelf now with Tommy John it, it's interesting I think the Twins felt like they were parting with a lower ceiling player in Spencer Steer you know if you give up a, a big league regular in a deal like this you're not losing sleep over it and I think they felt like Steers are going to be a role player and, and they, they won't lose sleep over, over moving him. And, and I think he's kind of exceeded expectations a little bit. And then on the flip side, when they parted with Christian Encarnacion Strand in that deal as well, I think they felt like they were they were parting with a high-risk player that doesn't truly have a defensive position. So another one where it's like, OK, there's, you know, some risk to the hit tool. We'll see how, how much the hit tool can allow him to tap into power. And then on top of that, you know, he's, he's going to have to really hit because you're probably playing him at first or DH. And, you know, they've tried him at third a little bit and maybe he can get by there. But that was probably conjecture. But that was probably the, the thought there for the Twins. Unfortunately, he, Tyler Malley has not been able to throw for them. And that's kind of out of your control. But what is in your control is knowing what you've got, and you know when the trade went down, Christian Encarnacion Strand had had some pretty gaudy power numbers, and and was putting up just impressive numbers across the board. But the walk rate was incredibly low, the strikeout rate was you know right on the edge of of iffy, and I think that was enough for for the Twins to say, hey, we're not going to let this guy stop us from getting a starter. Uh, but sometimes you got to know what you've got, and with a couple of little tweaks, Encarnacion Strand kind of short up his moves, his pre-swing moves in the box, allowed himself to repeat his moves a little bit better and, and get slotted from what I saw, get into that pre-launch slot a little bit earlier. And that, that's resulted in more contact this year. And I mean, this guy's been absolutely pulverizing the baseball. The chase rates have always been elevated, as, as I alluded to. And, and if you look at the chase rates through the first... 30 games versus you know the the latter 36 it's changed it's been a lot better and I think that's something that the Reds were looking for and you got to feel encouraged that you're promoting Christian Encarnacion Strand in a a spurt here where you know he has definitely been much more patient you look at the sample size of the first 30 games of course he was mashing baseballs 341 376 697 with a 27 percent k rate and four percent walk rate Those are numbers that are fantastic in terms of the slash line, but when you're walking 4% of the time, striking out 27%, and you're that aggressive, odds are you're going to get to the big leagues and you're not going to get away with as much. That strikeout rate starts to inflate a little bit over 30. You might walk slightly less, and all of a sudden, you better be hitting the ball out basically every single time you hit it. So that was probably a little bit too much of a risky under-the-hood profile there, and that's why it's taken a little bit longer for CES to get promoted. But now you look at the last 38 games, I'm sorry, it wasn't 36, it's 38, the chase rate cut down to 32%, and if you you know kind of cut it down to the last 30 games, it goes down and down and down, but 32% is a lot more palatable than 40, uh, and the strikeout-to-walk rate is where you really see the change. 18% strikeout rate, 15% walk rate. There's a level of this where it's like, that's the guy in the Red in the Louisville Bats lineup, the A affiliate for the Reds, that you don't want to pitch to, especially once Eli De la Cruz got promoted. So you know, guys are giving him a lot of easy takes pitching around him. That's not going to happen in the big leagues. But there's also the very clear improvement with the chase rates to cut that by 7-8%. Uh, that's obviously going to cut the strikeout rate down, and that's going to improve the walk rate, and that's exactly what he's done. This guy's got 70-grade juice, and he gets into it in games with ease because he doesn't put the ball on the ground at all, really. Uh, The only time he really puts the ball on the ground is against higher velocity, which I'm going to get into. That's my one other small concern with him, is he can get a little long to the ball at times, and I think with velocity he gets tied up, but he's improved that mightily this season. When you look at what he's been able to do to get into that power in games, I mean, the ground ball rate is only 36%. So you're getting a player that's going to put the ball in the air consistently in one of the best hitters' parks in Major League Baseball. Similar to what I said with Elio Cruz, where this guy's going to kind of miss hit baseballs that get out of the yard, and we've already seen that. I think Christian Encarnacion Strand can get tied up, miss hit balls the other way and they still get out over that right field wall. If you look at the, the spray charts, there's a lot of doubles and flyouts this year that he set in AAA that would have been gone uh, in, in Great American Ballpark. So he, he could easily have 25 homers if he was playing in GABP. So that's also really encouraging, uh, and I think that's something that's going to translate. What, what I'm interested to see is do big league pitchers get him to expand the zone a little bit? Are, are they able to tie him up inside a little bit more as that was, you know, that's something in triple a that some pitchers were able to do, but for the most part, he was able to fend that off. Uh, and I think he's answered some of those questions though, over the last 35, 40 games. And that's why we're seeing him promoted. The other side of it is the reds are you know, hitting a little bit of a stall right now, offensively. And, I wouldn't say it's a panic move because CES has really showed everything you've wanted to see him, sh- you know, just wanted to see from him. I guess to say uh, over the last month plus, but it, it does kind of make sense that they're doing this right when the offense stalls out. So you know, hopefully they're they're looking to inject some life into that offense and kind of hold that playoff spot or hold in the vicinity of that playoff spot so we can have some postseason baseball in Cincinnati. They're America's team this year, and I'm excited to see what CES can do up there. One thing that I do think will translate is his ability to demolish lefties over 1,000 OPS against lefties and uh, hits the ball in the air consistently there. That's a role that I think he can definitely uh, put tune and and take care of left-handed pitching. But I'm interested to see where they put him offense, or excuse me, where they put him defensively, because there is a little bit of a, a a crowded nature to this team. But again, you you want as many bats as as you can have in the fold here, and this is just another good bat to add to the bench. Joey Votto may see some less at bats, even though he's swung it well at, at points. Uh, maybe this is an opportunity to sit a will benson or a jake fraley against a left-handed pitcher that you know a tough lefty and go with christian Encarnacion strand in the dh role i think that might have been one side of it as well you know just to kind of even out those splits a little bit or of course you can sit joey Votto against a lefty when you have those four lefties in your lineup friedel is probably not going to sit because he plays center field so you can you can kind of even out the lineup or stack it a little bit more heavy to the right side Couple last notes on CES. I mean, the 90th percentile exit velocity of 107 miles an hour is elite, but beyond that he gets just silly carry because of the angles that he creates the leverage he creates to the baseball leverage and length can sometimes go hand in hand which it's it's a fine line you want to you want to tow it's the leverage allows you to hit the ball really really darn far with ease but also you know if you get a little long you can get tied up and velocity can affect you but he's kind of towed that line really well this year and it looks like he's he's figured himself out as a hitter pretty darn well. The one thing to watch with CES is how he handles velocity, specifically located in. I've been really impressed with his ability to just hit better against 93 plus this year, uh, 93 plus mile per hour pitches this year, because last year it was was a problem for him. This year against 93 plus, he's hitting 305, but the power numbers take a big dip, 786 OPS. And what I've noticed is the higher the velocity that comes in, a little bit higher ground ball rates. His Ground ball rate against 93 plus is is 57%. It's a relatively small sample size. We're talking about, you know, 66 batted balls here. But that said, it's it's definitely a trend to note. If you go 91 miles an hour and above, the ground ball rate's up to 43%. So his path is perfect for catching under those breaking balls, and he's rarely going to miss a breaking ball. In fact, even if it's middle away, he can pull a a hanging breaking ball over the wall with with relative ease because of his strength. But I'm interested to see how he's able to lift velocity, especially velocity located middle in. Are you going to be able to get that in the air consistently as well? If not... That's all right. He's got to be able to put up the similar numbers, a high batting average, not chase too much, and then just demolish the stuff that hangs and demolish the stuff that you can elevate. But it seems like he's made large improvements in that overall, and I'm excited to see how he does this year. Real quick, I'll give you the lay of the land on Andy Rodriguez and what he's done this season, and then we'll kick it to the interview with him as well as the follow-up with Joey, Cantillo, two separate little 5-10 minute conversations there to wrap up this episode. The thing with Andy Rodriguez is you know, he was our our hitter of the year at at Just Baseball last year. He was our minor league hitter of the year and, and, you know, it was pretty easy decision there. He was absolutely dominant across multiple levels, seemed to get better as he rose. But this year, it's been a little different. He hasn't quite been as good, but he's been really heating up as of late. And like so many teams like to do, they, they call up Andy Rodriguez when he's riding this nice streak here. Rodriguez has... I feel like had a lot of bad batted ball luck and I know that's a an excuse for some players you know can, you can say that about all the guys you like you can say oh he just hasn't been lucky but if you look at what he's done this year I, I think it's fairly obvious that there's just been some bad batted ball luck he's hitting the ball harder than last year 105 mile per hour 90th percentile exit velocity he's not putting it on the ground that much if anything he's putting it on the ground less uh, he, he's not chasing 26% chase rate zone contact is great at, at 84% his swing looks good from both sides of the plate, and he's putting up good numbers from both sides of the plate in terms of both are pretty consistently solid. 268, 356, 415 slash line from both sides combined. That's a 771 OPS, but he doesn't have one side that's killing him. Both are pretty consistently solid there. Of course, we've come to expect more from Andy Rodriguez after what he did last year, which was essentially go nuclear. And I think there's some moving parts to this. I think one is The ball may be not flying as much as it did in some of the other areas that he played in. And and, and that's going to just come with the territory. Like, I think the power played up a little bit more than it will at the big league level last year, but I think it's playing down more than it will at the big league level. This year. And Andy, as you'll hear in the conversation we had and and everything that I've heard about Andy Rodriguez, is the makeup is off the charts. Pitchers love to work with him. The defense has just continued to get better and better and better. He's athletic back there. His receiving has gotten pretty darn good and he can control the running game good, you know, well enough. I think offensively, the big thing to watch for him is is how he handles those change-ups. That's been the one area uh, from both sides of the plate, but of course that's going to affect you more as a lefty, is just identifying, which is it's the hardest pitch to identify, but also staying in the zone long enough to where you're able to hit it. Uh, against change-ups this year, 590 OPS. But he has improved in that regard as the year has kind of just progressed. And he's improved basically against all secondaries as the year has progressed and has done a good job of just demolishing fastballs over the last 38, 40 games. Something to watch, though, is just his ability to stay back on secondaries and and still get off that same A swing. And I think he'll get used to it. I think there's going to be some growing pains here for Andy. I mean, there's just a lot that a switch hitting catcher has to get acclimated to at the big league level. You gotta worry about your swing from both sides and and handling left-handed changeups that are fantastic and handling right-handed hard sliders and sweepers. And then you gotta handle big league pitching and learn how to call a game properly and block and control the running game. And it's all faster. And there's going to be a lot to learn here. And I think it's fair to temper your expectations, not because I don't think Andy Rodriguez is going to be a superb baseball player for a long time. I do. But for a player like him, it's going to take some, some time. I think the way the pirates looked at it is at this point, uh, an Andy Rodriguez with growing pains is better than what they've got behind the dish, and it's just that simple. And also, you might as well get him rolling now. The, the Pirates are looking at next year to potentially make a little bit of a push. They've shown that you know they're a decent team this year with with pieces that are going to continue to get better. Why not let Andy Rodriguez get his seasoning through the rest of this year, and then he can start next year ready to really put it all together. He may prove me wrong. He, he may hit the ground running, and I think there's going to be spurts where you see what he can be. But at the end of the day, this is one of the hardest jobs in the world, uh, in the sports world, I should say, being a switch hitting catcher and getting promoted up to the big leagues for a team that's you know trying to hang around still, and he just turned 23 years old. This guy's going to be a really good catcher for a really long time, and I'm glad that the Pirates are starting his clock now, starting his, his seasoning now, and I think he's going to learn a lot in these you know, 50, 60 games that he'll be able to play uh, the rest of this season. He's a guy that's still going to be way up there in our top 100 update coming out in the next week or so. And uh, even with the struggles, it wouldn't change anything for me. Um, and, and who knows? Maybe, maybe he'll put up some really exciting numbers. Real quick on Joey Cantillo. He was awesome in the Futures game. I mean, this guy is just a really talented arm. The only issue for him has been availability. And we talk about that a little bit. He also talks about how he hasn't pitched to his standards, which you know clearly his standards are quite high. And th- this is what the Guardians just seem to find, is these hardworking, smart, cerebral pitchers who take advantage of the information that's given to him. And that's exactly what Joey Cantillo is. Uh, it, it, before he got promoted to AAA, he had 24 innings in double, where he pitched to a 185 ERA, struck out 13 batters per nine. The walk rates have been slightly elevated. I'd say more than slightly. It's it's more than five walks per nine, but that's something that he feels confident that he can continue to improve. We also talk about that in our conversation. And the stuff is just so darn good. The fastball is high carry. It's a plus pitch that we saw in a short spurt in the futures game get up to 97, 98. He's going to sit more 93 to 95, grab a six or seven in starts, uh, which is more than enough velocity given how much carry he puts or he has on that fastball from his release point. Then the changeup tunneling off of that is just disgusting. And there's a reason why nobody can hit the changeup. Buck 69 against the changeup this year. Opponents are hitting with a 45% K rate. And then he talks about you know trying to get a feel for those breaking balls and he has a lot of confidence in them and wants to keep making them better and better. and um, specifically that slider looks really good in person in the futures game. It hasn't played quite as well over the course of the season, but I think it's going to continue to play better and better and better as he gets better at locating it too. and it was interesting to talk to him about that. Cantillo is a name to watch to, to potentially get promoted, work with big league pitching coaches and just get better up there. It's a very, very, very talented pitcher that I wouldn't count out from being a middle rotation starter at the highest. Level. And again, another guy that I think when you listen to our little conversation with him here, you're going to come away saying, man, I, I want to see that guy succeed, uh, just like Jack and I did. So without further delay, here is our conversation first with Andy Rodriguez and then Joey Cantillo. You'll hear a little whoosh in between. It'll kick right to the next conversation. Hope you enjoy and look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow
3: we got the man, Andy Rodriguez, catcher slash first base at the Futures game, which is super exciting. Uh, Andy, representing the Pirates in Seattle. Man, thank you very much for taking the time. For sure, for sure. I'm going to have time for you guys. <laughs> yeah, for sure, always. You're the man. Hey, so hey, I, I've i been watching you all year long. I've gotten the opportunity to watch you, and, and it's so fun watching you play because, you know, it's kind of a unique cut of catcher. I think a lot of people have been used to the big guys with a lot of power, but, you know, you've got juice. Don't get me wrong. You're pumping out 105s, 106s. As I see you do it. But, you know, what's so fun about you is it seems like you are so smooth, right? And you've got the bat to ball here. And you are just an overall really good athlete as a catcher. How important is being an athlete to you as a catcher?
4: It's really important because I think being athlete is... Is something help about about injuries? About birth satellite for for the line now. I be I can be in the line now every day. Like I can play somewhere in the field. So I think it's really really important for me because like like you say I can hit. So the more time I can be in the line now is the more I can help the team.
1: And. Being an athletic guy that's able to play other spots and, and being able to hit so well, was there ever a point where you know maybe you thought, I might not always be a catcher? Did you ever think you know, teams may try to move you or whatever it may be? Because you're so good defensively too, but you know the old thought used to be, oh, this guy's too good of a hitter to, to catch all the time. Now it's a little different. Uh, have you always felt like you were going to be a catcher and that was always who you were? I want to be a catcher.
4: Yeah. The truth is I want to be a catcher. Because I know, I know who I am now, yes, because I'm a catcher and I yeah. can hit. And if they try to put me in another position, okay, I'm going to take. But if they let me choose my position, I want to be a catcher because I know I can help being a catcher and try to be a better hit every day.
3: I know your pitchers love you. I've talked to Quinn Priester about it. I've talked to Jared Jones about it too. who's only thrown to you a couple times now, but I mean, they, they clearly love working with you. What does it look like when you develop that relationship with Quinn Priester? Like, what, what does you know building that that friendship and that working relationship between pitch, pitcher and catcher look like for you?
4: I don't know. Beginning of my career, my career, I always hear like we need to have the best relationship with the pitchers. And as everybody know, I try to be a, a good guy with everybody, and I try to put in a little bit more effort with the pitcher, but just try to let feel. Like the left field, the pitcher more comfortable with me yeah. because I'm called the game, and I need they have the the more confidence and trust to me. You know, like
1: it's it's that like, I, I try to to be a good guy with a pitcher <laughs> what's, what's been the biggest you know learning curve because I always admire as, as a catcher you got to learn how to hit at the higher levels and you also have to learn how to call a game and, and work with more advanced pitching from the catching side what was the biggest adjustment as you got to double A AA and triple A with handling pitchers calling games and, and all of that kind of stuff
4: and I think one of the, the more bigger thing I try to to learn about catching the high level is try to to do less, like try to don't do them. Uh, I don't know how to explain, but it's just try to do less, like uh, doing the Simple. the necessary. Yeah,
3: yeah. Gotcha. Um, we've got a unique chance to talk with a Pirates prospect. You're one of the few Pirates guys that we've talked to. And, you know, I've had I've had the chance to watch the young guys with the Pirates make their way up, right? Like a, like a Cruz and a Bay and a Rowanzi and a Luis Ortiz and a Quinn Priester. There are so many guys. There's so much talent. You guys are about to add a number one overall pick to the fold, too. How good can the Pirates be very soon?
1: Ooh,
4: really, really good, man. <laughs> we have a lot of good talent here. Every position, we got good pitcher, we got good infield, good outfield, good catchers, good hitters. I think we're going to do good impact in the big league at some point. I don't know if this year or the next year, but they show something. If you see Nick Gonzalez and Jared Trello now, they have the the first call up to the big league, and they doing a really, really good job. Henry Davis too. Yeah. You know, like we got the Well,
1: you're on your way as well and a big part of that was what you did last year. One of the best hitters in the minor leagues just flying up the levels. You've always put up good numbers, but I felt like last year was that explosion where it all clicked. What clicked for you as a hitter from both sides of the plate because you're also a switch hitter. What what did you really figure out last year that helped you take your game to another level offensively?
4: I, don't know. I think last I think was Last year was a crazy, crazy season with the bats, and one of the bigger things was when I stopped thinking, like, huh. because everybody going to the game to want to hit a two hits. Is when everything starts, like a lot of pressure on the shoulder. I think when, as a hitter, when you stop to think, you need to hit or you need to do something in the game is when you can be better. Because for me, is when I go into the cages, I try to work and think what I need to th- to do. But when I go to the game, it's just let's play. Yeah, trust it. Yeah, Let process, uh, trust the process.
3: Last one from me. Um, it's a demanding thing that you do. Catch at a really high level. Hit at a really high level. Look like a future major league catcher at a really good one, too. What do you do to take your mind away from baseball, if anything? Or do you are you one of those guys that really loves, you know, you're away from the ballpark, I like watching baseball, I'm going to think baseball throughout the entire season and there's going
4: to be no break? No, I'm the guy... I, my mind is in baseball when I'm in the field. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like between the 12, 12 o'clock to ten in the night, my mind is in baseball. I reading my, my, my game. I try to give my best effort. But when I go out of the field, I try to stop thinking in baseball because. You know, like, uh, we have another life, hour out of the baseball. And we just start thinking, like, uh, every time baseball, baseball, uh, man. It's get going. Tired. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. This game is so hard, and if you think Alamen is more hard.
1: Yeah. Last one from me as well. I mean, you're at Triple A. You're continuing to get better, and and right as close as you can get to the major leagues. Be- besides getting to the major leagues, which of course I'm sure is everybody's goal. What what's your biggest goal for yourself as a player now, as you you know, go into the second half of the season and you know continue to just get better and better.
4: Uh, the first thing is try to stay healthy the, the whole year. The second thing is try to just control my mind. You know how I say, like, I stop thinking. It's just don't, don't try to do much.
1: You feel like, good with your game yeah, now. You don't yeah, need to feel, change much you know. with, with what you've got. With catching and offensively, you feel no, pretty good about
4: obviously it. Obviously, I need to do something with hitting because, OK, I, I don't have my best year, but I am doing I don't do it back now. But I want to be better, you know? like.
1: You set the bar high on that one,
4: though.
3: <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> did set the bar really high, Andy Rodriguez. You are the man. Enjoy the futures game. I'll see you back in Indy. I think Arm's going to come out to Indy too. So yeah, perfect
4: for sure. Love thank it. you guys.
3: Okay, we got Guardians left-hander Joey Cantillo joining us for a few right before the uh, All-Star Futures game in Seattle. Uh, first and foremost, man, thank you very much for taking the time. What was uh, what was the journey like out to Seattle? Did you go Columbus to?
2: Uh, we, we were in nashville actually so we we're in nashville tennessee Easy. um yeah and it was cool cool city didn't pitch there obviously but got to hang out with the team for a few days and then had a long day of travel yesterday uh my sister actually lives in seattle so uh, my dad and my sister we went out to uh, dinner and just saw the city a little bit so it was nice Gotcha. how awesome is this
3: experience for you you know like how much does it mean to you being tabbed to throw in the futures game
2: I mean, it means a lot. It's, it's definitely cool. It's a, there's a lot going on. Um, when I got in yesterday, we did all the check-ins and everything, and we're standing in this lobby absolutely packed. Um, <laughs> so I'm sure it'll be a fun, interesting event. Um, I think the experience itself, like today, you know, I have no idea what we're going to see. Um, but like you said, anytime we're in a major league stadium and you get to pitch in a major league stadium, I think it's an opportunity that you know I'm going to definitely enjoy, and, and I'm going to be pumped for sure.
1: When did you find out that you might be pitching in this game? Because obviously you earned it, but you're also in an organization yeah. where there's so many good arms. But it's a testament to what you're doing. What was that process like, and and, and how exciting was it to, to hear that you'd be you know involved in this game? Yeah, I think uh, honestly,
2: you know, I've watched the games in the past, and it's it's a pretty cool opportunity. Like, I was never like a first rounder or anything like that, and you know, I think I've I've worked my way up in this system. Um, yeah, I mean. When They they, they actually told me like a week or two before the news came out and they they said, hey, don't say anything. Um, But I was pumped about it. I think a lot of my mindset's just been on, you know, getting up to the big leagues this year and and, and doing that and doing what I've been trying to do for the last few years. Um, But when they told me, you know, it settled in, I was like, man, this is going to be a cool opportunity. And, you know, I think I said it to someone yesterday. The minor league season's a grind, and just the baseball season's a grind in general. So just to have this little, you know, before this all-star break, just to have this just little, break it off, this, yeah. but, but, but this cool opportunity, and I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and, you know, I, it's, it's going to be cool. It's almost like a reward of sorts, right?
3: It's like, hey, you've thrown well so far. Time to, you know, just take a moment and and enjoy it, man. So what's worked so far for you? Obviously, you've made the climb from double to triple so far. We were just talking before you got here. Like, it's, you know, you've been somewhat unavailable, unfortunately, because of injuries over the last couple of years. What's it like being fully healthy and and all systems go here?
2: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing this year is staying healthy. Like, that's something I very very much has been a a, a focus for me is, like, I'm doing everything in my power. to to stay on the field and recover and do those kind of things and you know at the end of the day sometimes injuries are out of your control Um, but I'm someone who I want to I want to work my butt off and and do everything I can to make sure that I didn't have any regrets or anything didn't leave any uh, stone unturned or whatever the saying is Um, so taking care of the uh, the body and and those kind of things and then as far as like this this season I think I've thrown the ball okay to be honest I don't think I don't think I've thrown the ball to the best of my ability I think especially coming up to AAA I've walked more guys than I've wanted to and that's been a thing where it really is me versus me out there on the mound sometimes, and I think it's good to see the results be you know steady at what they're at because you know my stuff is good. I got really good stuff. I'm confident in my abilities, um, but I think just taking that next step to being the type of pitcher I want to be in the big leagues, you know, getting ahead of guys, really attacking the strike zone. You know, when you're limiting base runners, you're going to put yourself in a better position, especially with good stuff. Um, and when you're facing the best hitters in the world, you know you don't want to make it easier on them. Um, so I think uh, you know honestly, I think. I've thrown the ball solidly, but there's, there's a lot of levels to this game, and I think you know, I, can, I can definitely you know, throw the ball in the zone more and, and get ahead of guys, and I think that's going to lead to better and better results.
1: You talk about that stuff, and you've had a few starts this year where you can really see it. The change-up is yeah. that calling card, I feel, because like, when that's on, there's really nothing anybody yeah. can do about it. What have, you, have you felt like there's been a maybe like an uptick in the stuff this year, or is it really just about the availability and, and just being out there more frequently? Because the numbers have always been fantastic, yeah. but it just seems like some of the spurts this year, it's just been pure domination when you're around the zone.
2: Yeah, I think... Um I think, you know, last year I was kind of the first year in my career where I was starting to throw a little harder, you know, touch a 95, touch a 96. Um, and then this year, you know, I've, I think I've been up to 98, which is good. You know, my average fastball is up a, a, a tick or two, you know, that's going to help at the end of the day. Um, I think, my, you know, I got a good riding fastball and all those kind of things. And, you know, like, like you said with the changeup, I think the changeup's been one of my better pitches for a long time. Um, so, you know, it's just throwing all those pitches confidently with conviction, you know, I really think I got, you know, I, got, I know I got great stuff. Um... So, yeah I mean when you're throwing hard it gives you all the confidence in the world to say hey like go ahead and hit it you know and then you know hittings hard right so the, the best do it three out of ten times um, so yeah I mean fastball change up the slider the slider's kind of been a work in progress a little bit this year um, I was throwing like more of a cutter last year that was a little harder and we've gotten a little more cut back on the on the slider which is what I wanted to do um, and then the curveballs a big pitch for me because just the ability to land it in the strike zone is kind of a bigger pitch 75 to 78. Um, and I think when I'm at my best, you're going to see a lot of those curveballs just landing in the middle of the zone.
3: I, I want to get back to the breaking balls in a moment here, but you mentioned the uptick in, in fastball velocity, and obviously that comes from work. That comes from hard work and strength. But what does that work look like? Is it lower
2: half? Is it core? What do what you, def- you focus on? It's definitely work, so I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Um, I think I, I wasn't someone that, you know, just was throwing 95, 96 in high school, and I haven't, you know, you know, God's, God's blessed everybody with different abilities, and, you know. I think it's it's one of those things that I have had to work for, and you know, using my frame and build, like everyone says. Uh, I think getting into this organization, into Cleveland, they've taught me a little more body awareness and just how to use my body, um, and just the mechanics that go into an elite thrower or an elite efficient throwing uh, mechanics. Um, so I think just like you said, a lot of work in the weight room, but then a lot of work on the baseball mound, just doing some uh, mechanical work, some, some like belt work where you're getting pulled down the mound in different, mm. different ways, just kind of teaching your body how to move and, and patterning out that motion. Um, so it's, it's, it's been fun just, and, I, and I'm a learner. I think, you know, someone that was never really throwing hard. It's like, Hey, Joey, like the more velo you're going to get, the, the better spots you're going to put yourself in as far as a start. And over the course of your career, as we know, you know, the harder you throw, the better it is.
1: You mentioned being a learner. Well, you're you're in the perfect organization to do that. How how helpful has it been being a guy that has the work ethic, you know, has the ability to kind of soak in information to be in an organization that is, I think, everybody in baseball knows how good the Guardians are at developing pitching. How helpful has it been for you being in an organization that can give you so much knowledge? Yeah, it's been huge. Like, I think I've
2: always been that type of player, and like, I think that's just who I am as a person. Like, why not be that type of player? Like, I want to be the best player I can be. and like i said there's levels to this game and i you know i want to be i want to be the best i can be um and yeah i think at the time when i when i got traded you know people were saying hey cleveland's the best you know pitching player development and i was like okay we'll see about that um and you know and over the course of the years just you know building relationships with their pitching coordinators and those pitching coaches and just the people in the organization that had you know high praises and you kind of got to see how they work and and the verbiage in which they use um because i think with a lot of organizations you have you have data and analytics everything's going on right now and i and i can't speak for you know the other 28 teams because i've only played for two um but they you know here they've done a good job with just applying that knowledge and and someone like me like you said i you know i was i'm just gonna i'm gonna listen and ask a lot of questions um because you know the data is out there for all of us you know especially with the internet and with the people around so the more information you can you can you can take in and, and process I guess in that sort of sense is only going to benefit you so
3: good invention the internet um yeah. couple a couple of quick things for you here um breaking balls real quick how much do you focus on like pitch design I guess in season was that an off season thing turning your cutter into a slider and then I do have to ask you we don't have a baseball but I want to see the change up grip
2: yeah i think uh you know, it's definitely not something you wanna be doing in season. It's something you wanna have taken care of by by the end of spring training so you can focus on just execution in, in the season. I think my cutter last year last year was it was good. It was profiling like a slider and it got a little a little more cuttery and a little more verdy in spring training. So we, we kinda of said, hey K, okay, let's make sure we're getting the death back. And I think uh, Brad Goldberg is my was the was my double A pitching coach this season. Um, and he helped me a lot with the slider, just getting, getting the feel back of getting on the side of the ball a little bit more. And that's, that's helped it be in a good spot. And I like where it's at. I think I'm going to keep adding velocity to that pitch um, so it can profile really like a plus plus slider. Um, and then the changeup, you know, my high school coach taught me this Vulcan split changeup where I kind of literally a Vulcan and I just pronate oh. it like, like a circle change. And I, 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 I tell people I threw, it, I threw one warm up changeup every inning of my high school career and it went straight into the dirt. <laughs> And I didn't. I didn't throw it anytime time else. Um, and then once I got into pro ball, where we kind of had to throw it every day in throwing programs, um, it, it, the feel for it came. And then you know, it's it's one of those things. The more confident you're in it, the more confidence you have in it, and the harder you throw it. That kind of that that snap. Like, snap's not the right word, but when you're throwing it with conviction. The, the split action, just like a splitter, I guess, is gonna is gonna create that 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 depth and that tumble, I guess. Um, so yeah, I'm you know, I'm grateful for my high school coach for yeah. teaching it to me, and it's definitely something. The feel for it has has come a long way.
1: So you talked about kind of being in the zone. and This will be one of the last ones for me being in the zone a bit more. And I think one of those ways is the feel for the change up. But what are some other focuses for you to, to have that feel and, and be around the zone a little bit more? Is it a mechanical thing? Is it, you know, a, a little bit of, of where you're releasing it? And, and what's the focus to kind of be around the zone a bit more?
2: I think it's a combination of things, to be honest. I think, you know, everything starts up here with your mind and, and what, what you're thinking about and and what your thought processes are on the pitch as far as where you're trying to start it. Um, so I think focal points are big with, with everything. You know, different pitchers will say different things, but I think focal points are big, especially with the changeup. And I think when I'm at my best, I'm trying to make everything just look like a fastball to a certain spot. So, you know, the change if it looks like a fastball here, it's going to bro- go that way. Um, same thing with the curveball and the slider, starting at different spots to get to a location. Um, and then different feels, like, I mean, you know, changeup, you want to feel it out in front, and then the slider, you know, for me is you throw it like a fastball curveballs a karate chop so different feels that i think different guys have um but you need to know what's best for you um you need to know what what works best what you feel the most i guess when things are going right so i think that's something i've always you know i'm always constantly trying to you know hammer in and learn and and uh and reinforce i guess joey cantillo you have a pretty busy
3: lobby tonight yeah. through on your way to the bus yeah. but uh best of luck today man thank and uh, thanks for stopping by appreciate it thank you
1: Hope you came away as excited about Andy Rodriguez and Joey Cantillo as we are here at Just Baseball and the Call-Up. And also one more special shout-out, Trey Cabbage, the legend over in the Los Angeles Angels system. He got called up. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know how much we love Trey Cabbage. Uh, One of my favorite just power-hitting just monsters in, in the minor leagues. He's just always been a fun story for me as you know kind of an unsung draftee. Had a really, really nice start to the season last year in double A, just hitting moon tanks. Uh, obviously lifts a little bit, doesn't have a defensive position, very overlooked, awesome name. And hit a ball 121 miles per hour last year. So I was I started just paying attention to this guy. Like, this just is my favorite guy to watch. I don't know what it's going to look like at the big league level, but I want to see it. And we're seeing it. And actually, he's off to a really nice start with the Angels who could use any of the help they can get. One other wrinkle in it is I was actually watching the game. He was playing in A at this point against the Pensacola booahoos And uh, there was a throw up the line. He was playing first. Gerard Encarnacion, a big dude in the Marlins system, like 250, 260 pounds, runs into him full steam and really ugly fracture, like compound fracture of his arm. That took out Trey Cabbage's entire remainder of the season. And he comes back this year and just is mashing yet again, hitting balls 115 miles an hour, 118 miles an hour, and over 470 feet. And this guy's just fun to watch. Uh, You can't really teach the the 80-grade power that he's got. We'll see if he hits enough, but... Awesome name, fun story, fun player. hopefully he can uh, you know kind of hang around over there with the angels but pumped for Trey cabbage. That'll do it for today's episode. I look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow.